0: And welcome, folks, to another edition of the Michigan Football Breakdown, focused on the offense with that guy we call Al. He calls himself gorgeous. He calls himself the key. I call him. A. say he—he's my man. He can—he can be annoying at times with how he come on, come on now. How he gets on my case, but I love the dude. I—I I actually shit. I, it was my last, This tells you how I feel about Al gorgeous. In order to get through my. 19, 20-hour days. I'm like an energy drink fanatic. I shouldn't be. I shouldn't say this live as my doctor probably is watching and everything. But it's the only way to make it through the day. I was down to my last uptime. And who did I give it to, Al? You
1: gave it to me, Sam. I, I gave mean, it to you, did I not? You sure did. And I, I don't even know what to say about that because I don't think I'd have given my last drink to you. That's <laughs> Although I love you, Sam. I really do. But then again, I like severe gas pains on a road freeway. So what do I know, okay?
0: Yeah, man, I shared it with you. And this was after I had to deal with Devin for hours. And I had to deal with you and Devin together because there was another clash. It wasn't quite the the clash that we saw when you guys, you know, could have but it but it head, heads over to lookie. You remember the Lookie Oh yeah, the,
1: the lookie, yeah, yeah. The sit looky, yeah. That that's another one that I was right on. And as <laughs> you know, you gotta, you know, I I watch TV, I see these fact checkers on on the Political channels so they check the facts to make sure. I'm that guy, Sam. Okay, I am that guy. I've got to be the guy. You go on and says, well, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. That was true. I'm just that, you know, everybody's got a role in life, Sam. <laughs> I got this one.
0: Hey, you ordered a piece of debit. You even came in early yesterday. Oh, no, here's I See, now here's what you got to know about DG. I know him. I know that I've known him since he was a teenager. I knew what was coming, Al. I told you what was coming when I saw J.J. throw that touchdown. Did I not say you
1: did? You, me? Did. you warned me beforehand. I was uh, I was a little taken aback by the whole thing. I said, "No, wait, wait that's co- comparable." But you were right, Sam. You were right. I knew
0: he was going to come with it, and he's yeah. an expert. So Devin could have been an attorney in another life because he framed the argument in a way where he made my position one that I didn't take. <laughs> that's an expert <laughs> argument.
1: Argue with the the alternative, Sam. (laughs)
0: It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You are arguing against the point I didn't make, dude, right? But that's that's what expert arguers do. That's what
1: they do, yeah. That's
0: what they do. And we saw a special, special play. A special play by JJ. And it was what I asked you about, Al. I said, you know, you're a coordinator. How do you balance... A player like that, being aggressive and not, you know, not trying to be like, oh, they trying to do, trying to go too far with it because you, they can push lines, they can do things other human mm-hmm. beings can't do, right? How do you get that guy to walk that line? I thought you kind of really touched on that really well. Uh, yeah,
1: the of- uh, you know, it's got like a guy like Pat Mahomes. <laughs> get, I mean, you can't, you don't want to scare him. That's the biggest thing. Don't scare him. Coach him. Coach him because. You know uh, the what's the phrase? Uh, Don't take the stinger out of the bee. I said that's right. But when a when a honeybee stings you, you know what happens to him, Sam? What happens? They die. Okay. So my point is this: is attack the defense with all your skill set. Use good judgment, but know what hills to die on. Okay, falling out of balance, throwing the ball back in the field is not a hill to die on. Okay, that's that's a, a hill to cut your losses. Pick up your weapons and move on, and save your skill set for plays that are more conducive to success. It's that simple. Don't make it. I mean, I think great statement made yesterday was, uh, "You don't need to chew him out because he threw an interception." Now, if it's habitual, you get got to make your point. But it hasn't been, so he knows this guy's coachable. He knows that there's, you know, it's there's times he's got he's he's trying so hard to make a play that he's working outside the realm of his the system okay so uh but if you just make it so he understands the mistake it is your job to coach that okay how good he is I don't care how good he is I found it interesting one time I was watching a Peyton Manning deal Peyton had been in the year been in the league over I don't know definitely over 10 years but probably closer to toward the end of his career he says I want to be coached he said I want to be coached I don't want people to just assume I know what I'm doing And I think that's important. Now, Peyton isn't that improv, wasn't that improv-type quarterback, but he was a great quarterback who knew a lot about football as much as any quarterback you'll ever see play the game. But he wanted to be corrected when he made mistakes because as much as guys, as good as you think they are, you cannot, as the coach now, if if his girlfriend or his fans and all of them want to anoint him to be the next, you know, Jesus and Cleats, that's their prerogative. That's not the coach's job. The coach's job is to critique – Stroke him when applicable and and fix him when something's wrong and not to say, well, that's OK. That's OK. It's not OK, because what you're doing is you're condoning future behavior that may be detrimental to the to the team. So uh, take every play as it is, because they're all different. They're all different. There's there's never, no two plays that are exactly the same. And then with your best, with your experience and with your understanding, tell him what he did right. Tell him what he did wrong. Don't overkill it and scare the hell out of him, and you'll get an aggressive, confident player.
0: Yeah, got an aggressive, confident player versus Nebraska. You know, I wrote about this. Like that's when you talked about Michigan being a national championship team. What we don't say, you know what finish line movers do? They move. Man, you go out and you do what you're supposed to do in an impressive fashion. They just move the finish line. Like, you know, coming into the game, Urban Myers like, oh my God, watch out! Watch out, Michigan. <laughs> this weak schedule you have is gonna cost you, right? It's gonna make pro- it's gonna give you problems against this Nebraska team, the number one defense in the country against the run. You aren't gonna be able to do that against Nebraska. And Michigan went out and stomped them down, stomped them down the football field. I haven't heard hide nor hair of Urban ever since. But my point is now it's not a big deal. Now it's, you know, they didn't play anybody, right? That's why I'm making a relative assessment as far as Michigan is concerned. The first four teams they played hadn't really played anyone, and they did a varying levels of success and kind of slow Michigan. Michigan was still trying to find its way. And this was the most impressive performance they had across the board, but specifically when it comes to the rush attack that we've seen in five games out, and it was on the road against the best defense they've seen so so far i don't see how you call that anything but progress
1: no it was an ass kick in a massive proportions and nebraska would admit that i listened to a couple of their post-game uh conferences and everybody pretty much said the same thing the physical nature of the run game the uh the misnomer that you can't run duo plays versus three three that's absurd it's just not true now you don't block people, you can't run anything against 3-3, okay? But uh, they took the ball and ran 11 variations of duo, duo kicks, duo reads, you name it, and just basically shoved them right down uh, Nebraska's throat. Uh, They ran three open zones that were good. They they implemented a new scheme with the OT read with the quarterback, and we're going to talk more about that and detail that in the the, um, film session. But the physical nature of the of how they play uh, the one thing Sam that cannot be understated is how JJ McCarthy's legs are influencing the outcome of these these games and they're going to be it's become more prominent when you play the better teams because they're going to get him as you can see they have progressively got his legs more involved in the game not only running but the threat of running whether it means, Breaking contain or pushing the the pass, push getting underneath the pass rush, forcing defenders up, throwing balls, or design runs like OT reads where the end closes and he pulls it. Okay. Or uh dual reads, which we're gonna show that, that boy, that since they put that play in, it's changed the dual play. Okay, where the edge defender no longer can close and 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 when the ball gets kicked to the edge, he can make the play. He can't do that anymore because he's looking at the quarterback to pull the ball. So his legs, I think, as we get into it more, are going to be even a more a, a, be more of a factor every week, but particularly against the better teams.
0: Man, I think these guys, Sharon, Kirk Campbell, Mike Har- Jim Harbaugh, of course, you know, as the the brain. I think they're scheming to hell out of the run game and I the, the offense. But the reason why I'm emphasizing the run game is because. In your profession now, and I don't know if this is just uh, if this is just fans because it seems like it's coaches too. Uh, you know, you re- most of these observers regard or, or or sort of attribute innovation to passing genius, right? Yeah, that's, to, to that's, that's very out.
1: true. That is very and it's like true. If, if yes.
0: if that's that's the measure of you know how genius. much of a genius you yeah, are, genius. how much of a technician you exactly. are. Yeah, exactly. but these dudes are scheming the bleep out of the run game right now, and I don't see the broadcast giving it the kind of attention that it should get.
1: No, I don't. I hear very, very few comments about it, but if you study Michigan and then make a comparative analysis between how they run the football and other teams, how they run the football, it's just, it's unique to college football, and there's only really a few teams doing it the way Michigan's doing it that you know, uh, McCarthy's involvement in the run game is, is big, but in other teams with other teams, their quarterback, it's even bigger or they don't run their quarterback, right? They're dependent on basically their running backs uh, doing the damage. So what Michigan does is they play with multiple tight ends and force defenses to defend extra gaps. Now, what's that mean? That means now they have to not only defend the C-gap, the area between the tackle and the tight end, they got to defend the D-gap, which is the area between the tight end and the wing. And sometimes in this game, Sam, they had to defend the E-gap because Michigan came out and ran their dual schemes with two wings and a tight end. Now, what's that mean? That means now that when all those guys block down, you know who becomes the guy that has to make the tackle? the corner okay now uh the one thing that's happening in in college football is most corners are being recruited to do what cover, cover right? right they don't even go down to the inside drills They're usually over there doing the one-on-ones okay so when you're forcing the ball to a lesser tackler not not necessarily a lesser player there because those corners are the best athletes on the field in my opinion but a lesser tackler you are putting your back in a great situation to succeed. And that's what Michigan does is they, they force that guy, that edge guy, now with the possibility of the quarterback around the ball too. But even when he doesn't, a lesser tackler is forced to make plays where other teams, the linebackers, the down guys, those types, and even the safeties, because of the nature of their formation, are more likely to be tacklers. And, and that, that, that's a big part of their approach.
0: So you you look at this game, I I thought the tone was set on the very first drive, right? So you come out, it's, you know, Michigan's M.O. is well-established. They're going into the wind. That's number two, right? And so you have these these sort of signals about what Michigan's going to come out and try to do. And so Nebraska, they come out, hey, they loaded for bear. It's like, let, let's stop the run. We're a couple guys off the edge. Let's get it. Michigan, Sharon comes out, throws that, that stick looky, right? That's
1: first play. Like, and it wasn't a big play, but it, it wasn't was, a big play. Anybody going to expect you to throw the ball on first down? Into the it, win. As we, as we get into the Sharon Moore thing, because this is, to me, as a coordinator, so interesting. I mean, this is this intrigues me because Sharon is not a typical O line coach play caller. Now, why aren't there more O-line coaches calling plays, Sam? Why the hell, they got to coach five guys. That's not easy to do and coordinate the offense. So you don't see that as often, okay? But Jerome is not afraid to – he calls the game the way he feels it will best move the ball. Sometimes it's a more physical approach early. Sometimes it's it's not. It just depends on what he feels. Where most line coaches, a lot of line coaches, I would, they want to. Get out there and pound their ass right away. Hey, we gotta, we gotta come off the ball, establish our aggressiveness. And sometimes it works like a charm, sometimes it doesn't work so good. But as I've watched him call plays and study how he sequences plays, I would, if you didn't know, you wouldn't guess a line coach was calling the game if you're looking at from my perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. So well, that should
1: speak volumes in itself.
0: You know, they do such a great job of of building game to game, right? And so if you had gone back and looked at the TCU game, saw how they started out that game, if I'm Nebraska, I'm thinking, okay, they're going to try to run it right up the gut at us. Like they started out against TCU, another 3-3-5 team. Uh, but Michigan, now they, they'd face TCU three three five. They'd face ECU three three five. They'd face UNLV three three five. So they learned some things. But the very first run play, he went back to TCU. It was that counter OT read. Counter OT yeah. That, that got him off the ground against TCU after – they were getting stoned. You might think at that point, if you're in Nebraska, okay, they are going to try to run it up the gut at us, uh, you know, coaches. Yeah, you know, They're going back to TCU where they were getting on the edges. And what do they do, Al? The third run play to come back and hit them with duo. It's like okay. man, you're off balance now. You don't know what the hell they're going to do. Well,
1: if you just look at the sequence. And remember, play calling is sequencing and timing, right? When you – it's not what you call, but when you call the play. That's what's the most important. They start with a stick lookie that gains five yards. They run the OT read for a first down for the second play. They duo kick on third down, or on first and ten, the new first down, gain nine yards, come back with a halfback option on first, on no, first, what was it, uh, second and one, come back with. And then on third and one, they so it's so reliable that they can get the first down run in their wedge play. He knows he can go to the well more often than not, and that's going to work. And that now he's he's hit him with a few passes, a few runs, an outside run, an inside run. Okay, they run a little split zone RPO um, on first and ten. Uh, doesn't gain much. Come back with a dual uh, dual play down, uh, gain seven, and then hit him with another wedge play to get him down to fourth and one. And then fourth and one, uh, they run a wing duo that hits for a first down. They run another power. That gains eight yards and then they run the 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 little hitch and go where JJ had to improv make the throw and they scored. Okay. Point is this, okay, there is a nice balanced mix of run to pass, inside to outside run, read plays to call it and run it plays. You got a little bit of everything in your opening plays. The formation mix is enough to keep the other team off balance, and you're putting your team in a position where they're feeling their oats. They've had enough successful plays back-to-back. They're dying to get out there for the next series, which lasted three plays uh, and scored on a duel to, to Mullins uh, to make it 14 nothing. Now you've jumped on them. A team that doesn't really think they can beat you is almost sure they're not going to beat you now because they're now at 14 points in their own house.
0: And so to to emphasize the point, though, you might think, uh, and it's not, a, it's not unreasonable to think based on what happened in Michigan and TCU game, you can't run duo. I can't run duo against this this team. Maybe Nebraska was thinking that. But they knew that a Michigan did run duo. There's something else to worry about. You saw it on the very first duo that they ran and everyone since. J.J. as a threat. He didn't pull one duo in this game, Al. Didn't
1: he, didn't to. Didn't have, he didn't pull one. But why didn't he, Sam? Why didn't he? Because he took a because... guy out. Yes, they were. They were so conscious of seeing three get pulled the week before that edge defender was a little softer and a little more conscious of him. Hell, on the one that that that, that Mullins scored, he ran right past him. He ran right past him. When the guy slightly jumped outside to play the quarterback, the guy was buying. Okay, now that edge defender can't be indiscriminate about closing every duo and restricting those running lines.
0: Yeah, it's uh, one of our very astute observers here in the stream. Uh Slide one four two said you can see that outside defender was like a deer in headlights on that willings TD. The threat of JJ running scared him. And how I, we said last week, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to have perspective in the moment about how impactful something is going to be. But that you can see just in one week, you we could already tell last week this is going to help them immensely. Henceforth and forevermore, or hit for the rest of the season. I don't know about forevermore, but for the rest of this season, J.J. McCarthy is a threat. On it, it opens the doors back wide open to duos again.
1: Right, Th- that that number one because that's their favorite running play. Of course, that's huge, right? But add to that, O.T. Reed, okay, where he can pull the ball and be a threat. We mentioned duo read, scramble touchdown. We saw one of those where he dropped back. They went all to plaster their guys. He ran unscathed into the end zone because they were so worried about covering two scramble throws for touchdowns. Again, legs, 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 killing them. Okay. Open zone read, he had the ball off. The outside guy had to play him. That was another play that yeah, it just hit. But the guy who had, who ran right by the running back, ran right by the guy because he was looking at JJ and add to that nakeds. This is the first game we've seen, I won't say significant nakeds, but they ran two nakeds, and and he threw those bo- both of those, but because he adds that threat that if for some reason they cover it, he can still make something happen. Plus, he throws well on the run, so it's, again, conducive to his skill set. So uh, you're just seeing more as we go of his legs being part of the equation, uh, and I think, like I said, you're going to see more of it, and it's particularly against the good teams.
0: Yeah, man, uh, I thought it was – I know you'll be getting into grades and whatnot uh, in your, in your broad brush, but I thought this was the most physically imposing performance of the season by the offensive line, and that is, to me, not at all a coincidence with the insertion of Darius Henderson into the starting lineup, which moves Carson Barnhart over to right tackle. You being the veteran offensive guy, am I off base in my assessment?
1: No, I, I think Ladarius is, uh, is a great addition. He still had – he really started the game well. I mean, he was pretty much rocking and rolling, looked like he was assignment sound, uh, technique sound. He had a little patch in the middle of the game where a couple things came up uh, was, with a protection issue, and I'm not 100% sure it's on him. Uh, but a couple of things came up. Uh, I think he got beat off the edge one time. But his first game starting and finishing, right, pretty good performance athletic kid that is going to do nothing but get better and has a lot of experience. So, um, and and again, I said from the beginning, uh, I think Barnhart is more suited to right tackle. I just do it. Not that he played poorly at left because he didn't, but I just think his skill set is more suited to play on the right side. So with that move and hopefully some, you know, getting some chemistry with those same five guys that this offensive line is going to take off.
0: We'll get to your your broad brush coming up and we'll get to the question. I mean, there was a comment there about me and Tom Brady. I I you would be
1: mentioned. You just kind you of it. That,
0: you want me to put that back up?
1: I left oh, yeah, it up. For to some Tom Brady is gorgeous next to Borges. How about <laughs> Borges is gorgeous next to Tom Brady?
0: I've just I keep noticing how you keep boxing Devin out.
1: You know why should he be in there? I, we, we, if I I would have cut him out of the picture, but he was in the middle, so you couldn't really get rid of him. And I would have had to Photoshop uh, Brady and me to that. So I left him in there and threw him a crumb. But uh, truth be told, he wouldn't be in the picture if I had my choice.
0: <laughs> Folks, if you have, I just have to block
1: him since, you, since he's in the picture. I just block him.
0: If you guys have questions for Al, put them in the comments, whether that be on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, we'll get to them toward the end. Of the episode, we got some more things to, to really highlight and touch on here. One of the things I want to focus on with you and your, your protege, your former quarterback, you kind of you kind of clashed on, but you didn't. You know, Devin's point about the bowling green intercept, the third bowling green interception, where JJ's running out of bounds and throws it to Coast and Loveland. If if you listen to him, he said that wasn't a great decision, right? But I don't want to kill him for it because I want him to feel free enough to make that play when it's there. Like most quarterbacks, it doesn't matter if they're encumbered or not, right? They, they can't make that throw. JJ can make that throw. But what are the circumstances that have to be present even for him to make the throw, I think is the nuance here. And he sort of kind of, you know, he, he kind of glossed over that nuance and saying that they were the same thing. But, Al, from your assessment as a coach, what differences did you see between the two plays?
1: Well, to me, they're completely two different plays. One play, there's a misprotection pickup. He's forced to his left. He can't get turned, and he can't break contain. So if he can't break contain, he's it's hard to get turned to make a throw, particularly back into the field as you're getting close to the boundary. It's just completely indiscriminate. You can say, well, the guy looked kind of open. Yeah, well. The only guy really at the end of the day was open was the defensive guy who intercepted the ball. So it's second and five, right? It's second and five, pick up your weapons, move on and go to third and five because you're going to convert it because their third down conversion fourth down conversion this season has been very, very good. So it's not, the risk reward simply isn't worth it. You may think the quarterback has an S on his chest, but even Superman was vulnerable to kryptonite. Okay. So it's not a hill you want to die on. The second throw, the second time now, Saturday, completely different. Completely different. He spin dashes to beat the contained man and gets outside every defender. He gets his shoulders turned to the target so he can step through the throw. The receiver is open, okay? So on the second one, containment is broke, which wasn't on the first. Quarterback is turned to the target, which it wasn't on the first. The receiver is open, which it was not on the first sure as hell not open enough to make that throw. So uh, not open at all, in my opinion. But there are two different scenarios. Now, how much does throwing the interception the first time affect your mentality about making the second throw? And I think that's where where there's a discussion. If you scare the hell out of him every time he makes an indiscriminate throw by jumping down his throat rather than critiquing and coaching the play, he's going to be less – willing to make a play he can make and that should be made or at least it should be made by a guy that's that good okay so that's the that's the fine line right I mean uh, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater okay let him know your job is to coach him not to anoint him not to you coach his ass you don't kiss his ass okay you make sure he does what he's supposed to do and you don't Turn him into some godlike figure that can make every play in the in a world, even though maybe he kind of can. You know what I mean? But he <laughs> has to know that there's accountability for plays that are indiscriminate.
0: Yeah, man. Um, uh, I think I think he is. <laughs> I mean, his efficiency numbers, out are yeah, are through yeah. the roof. Yeah, they're off the chart. Absolutely through the roof. I I don't see a guy out there playing better quarterback than him. But he he does not have the yardage and touchdown numbers that some of these basketball on grass teams have. And this is kind of the final point before we get to your broad brush. Because someone in the stream said, let me see if I can go find it. And I will get to all of your questions uh, toward the end. So if you have questions for Al, be sure to throw them out there, all right? And we'll get to them toward the end. So Derek Gilliam, he said, go blue. Let's open up the O a little bit more. And so this this is kind of my point, Al. What has opened up the offense a little bit more, and what's the cost of it?
1: That's, they do not uh, play
0: defense out West, Al. Yeah, they the don't do it at all.
1: The second question is more important than the first. What's the cost? Okay. You want to throw more RPOs? We're going to show you in the film study, and I'm an advocate of throwing more RPOs, and I know you are. Absolutely. But we're going to show you in the film study maybe why they don't throw many RPOs. So there's little tease, watch a film study and we're going to put on an RPO and show the result of what would have happened. Had he hand the ball off as opposed to throwing the RPO. Stay tuned for that. Okay. But what's the cost? What's the cost? The, when you run the football, control the clock, feature your best players. You tend to play better defense. I don't know. And I did a, Again, I am I have no life, so I do studies all the time. I look at, they did this a few years back. What, what, how, how, what kind of defense were up tempo teams that were amassing big yard numbers of yardage? Rich Rodriguez type teams, okay? Those teams that would go fast, get 470 something yards a game, and their defense would give up just as many, okay? Or air raid teams that aren't very physical, but they're fun to watch. The fans love it. Well, if you want to cater to team ball, okay? Uh, make your defense as good as your offense, solid special teams, I believe Michigan's got the answer, is to throw the ball between 38, 20, 30, 28 and 32 times, some games a little more if you have to, sometimes like this one a little less. Feature all your players. Run it. You're not going to have a receiver that catches 100 passes. That's highly unlikely. But uh, you're going to have receivers that are happy because they're going to be getting balls because you are balanced enough. To where they still can be featured. I just think this, and, and I think your best example is just watch what Alabama's done the last few years. Yeah, they get good players. Georgia. Georgia, Georgia, look at them. And what they are not an air-raid, throw the ball every stamp type team. Now, I can see doing a little more of that if you're an underdog team and you don't feel like you can rush the ball. Teams, guys like Mike Leach, who Mike had a great formula for who he was coaching. Okay, and New is a Mississippi State, Washington State. That style of offense is unique. He's a good passing coach. Them trying to pound like Michigan does probably wouldn't work as good. But with your schools like Michigan, Alabama, blah blah blah, those types of schools, there's no excuse for not playing good defense because you're getting good quality defensive players, in my opinion. So uh, you could argue that, and God knows I have. Uh, time of possession doesn't mean a thing. Hey, that's that's old school. Yeah, well. Let's look at the teams that have won the national championship. Not not, not your 500-yard-a-game team. We're talking about the totality, the sum total of your effort that includes defense, offense, and special teams. And you look at the teams that have won, have not been air raid teams. It has, it's been teams that can run the football effectively, pass it efficiently, see, and have a solid kicking game. And I think the way you practice and the way you design your schemes has to cater to all three of those phases.
0: Hey, You, you throw up watching USC play defense. It's ridiculous. How does anyone think that team is going to win a national championship and they play not a lick of defense out there?
1: No, and uh, I I watch they're fun to
0: watch, though. God, dog,
1: they got good schemes, they got good stuff. But USC has proven over the years they can recruit as good a defensive players as there are in the country. Pete Carroll did it and won national championships doing it and had a nice balanced offense that could run and pass, very Alabama-like. Or maybe Alabama's very USC like I don't know. Whoever you want to pick is the first ones to do it. But that really, when you're at these elite universities, I believe is the best approach.
0: All right, Al, it's time for your broad brush. Again, folks, if you have questions for Al Boy, just put them in the comment section. We'll get to them after the broad brush and then the grace. But your broad brush from Michigan's 45 to 7 victory over Nebraska.
1: Uh, 26 first down, Sam. Goal is 25. That's pretty good. Okay. Uh, But something that, again, isn't talked about as much as it should be. 8 for 13 on third down and 2 for 3 on fourth down. They are converting and keeping the chains moving so they can run more dual plays and counter OTs or whatever it is their game plan dictates. 249 yards rushing and 187 passing. Pretty balanced. J.J. was 12 for 16 Modest numbers, but you if you watch the game, his effect on the game went way beyond that, okay? Zero penalties, zero turnovers. How many games you got like that? Not too many. Time of possession at 38.01 to 21.59. Complete dominance. Complete dominance. Uh, But I like the balance. I like the physical nature of the run game. I like the fact that they prove they can run duo plays Versus 3-3, I like the run game variations, the ones that we all mentioned. And, you know, something else we said is the creative ways to get the ball outside, which includes some of the plays we're talking about, without having to run stretch plays, although I think that play will make a comeback somewhere. That's never going to be a a top three play, but it's going to come in handy in some games. So I don't know what to say other than um, they completely dominated the football game Uh, from the time it started to the time they put well probably to the time it ended because the, the backups didn't do a bad job either. So um this one's an easy one to assess and a fun one to be to assess because there just wasn't a hell of a lot that went wrong.
0: No doubt. No doubt. All right so Al, let's get into your grades. Those are good to do, yeah.
1: those are good too. I mean I, I had only twenty seven minuses with the old line. That's pretty damn good. I gave them A minus to B plus the physical nature I give them an A. Uh but they're worse they weren't perfect. There were several guys that had five minuses or more, but they were they were good. I mean, they were they were imposing, okay? Uh, the tight ends were less. I gave them a B minus. They weren't bad. I had a total of 10 minuses on all of them, but they weren't too bad for the most part. Wide receivers were an A. They played good. Roman made some – I don't even know how you catch that pass, okay? I don't even know how you catch that pass, but it, it, it was phenomenal. And he just continues – to just grow and get better and become more of an imposing factor in their passing game, so uh, uh, I really like the wide receivers. Uh, I had four errant throws uh, with JJ, but he had a—I mean, come on now, come on now. Uh, it, I gave him an A minus because he didn't hit every pass, okay? <laughs> but for the most part, he was the reason, as much more than anybody, because in most because of his legs, his ability to, to improv, run, improv, throw, and then the running backs were really good. Uh, I gave them an A. They were had one minus with all the running backs. So uh, the game was an was was an A minus to B plus, and closer to an A minus, um, in my opinion. They were they were very very good, and I like the fact that they they took a, an adverse situation playing in Nebraska and and put a stranglehold on it right away. So uh, that's how I would assess that.
0: All right. It is time to get to the questions for the man himself, and they have been lining up to ask you. I mean, Al, I, you, you think you, you you really are the key? You would think, based on all these questions coming through for you. I hate to even say that until you blow your head up like that.
1: Well, Sam, I'll let you make that judgment. I'm not one to, to toot my own horn.
0: All right, here's one, the first one. Gentle Comedian on YouTube says, I don't think there's a weakness in this offense. What say you, gorgeous? To think every position group is top ten and playing like it?
1: I, I don't think there's a really a weakness either. Uh, now they're not all imposing, but but there's no place you can point to and say, "Ooh, God dog, uh, we're gonna have to cover that guy." You know, he like he can't. He's not very good inside blocking, or we got this wide receivers absolutely no deep threat, or our running backs can't break any long ones, or quarterbacks hitting miss. There's just nothing that you can point to and say, you know, we got to fix that. We got to change a player there. They're they're trying to decide on who the best of the best players are, not who the best of the worst players are. I've been in both situations, okay? So, uh, no, I don't think there are a lot of uh, weak spots on on the offense.
0: All right, let's get to another one. Uh, The next one, let's see. Uh, we will go this one al i don't know how how deeply you evaluated uh jack tuttle and Jaden Dennow but did you did you come out of it thinking that one guy was better suited to be in qb2 than the other
1: i could say that sam I'd have to be in practice those those reps are nice in the game but there's no pressure you can get deceived okay i'd have to ha- see the guy practice every day see how he handles the team the starting quarterback. Speaks for itself, right? I mean, even if he's not as good as JJ McCarthy, uh, you usually got a pretty good idea who that guy is. But to to pick the backup quarterback, you got to be in practice and you got to be in those meetings and know how he gels and see what he how he sees his role and all that. So I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even venture uh, to make a statement on that without being having firsthand understanding, not just watching him from the booth.
0: Okay, let's keep it. Sorry for moving.
1: a cop out, but that's. That's, uh, I'm not going to do the killing injustice.
0: justice. <coughs> you know. All right. And so here, here's when it kind of gets back to the point that I was making before, whereas I think it was um, Derek Gilliam said, let's open it up more. Got a similar question or point from Gabriel Borenstein on, on YouTube. He said, J.J.'s been so accurate. Do we need to utilize his arm more instead of uh, throwing running sl- uh, 30 to 70? Thirty percent, seventy percent.
1: I think in bigger games, yes. I think that when the running gets to be tougher, sledding, then you're going to be you're going to see it go over thirty something passes a game, thirty five. But um, I think what they're doing, they're on track to do what they need to do to win games. I wouldn't change a hell of a lot. I would do basically have the same approach. I wouldn't, in other words, I wouldn't go and Okay, let's make sure we get JJ thirty five passes in the game. I don't care what the uh, who we're playing or what's I would approach the game the way they approach. What are the weaknesses of the defense? What are our strengths? How can we play to those? And without having some preconceived idea in your mind that the quarterback has to throw more. Okay. Just because he is a good thrower. Because that will naturally happen, Sam. Because if you're not running the ball as well, he's going to be forced to throw more passes. So, uh, keep that same balance. Like, I mean, we we cited every play in the first series of the game. Keep that same balance. Keep that same thinking. and. I wouldn't change too much.
0: Okay. Back to the questions for gorgeous Al Borges. Um, says, here we are. Al, and this is from, I don't know how to say your name. I uh, apologize if I butcher it. Uh, is it Ray, Ray I say Blythe? Mm-hmm. I apologize if I got that wrong.
1: Well, that's a guy you call Mr. Blythe, Sam.
0: <laughs> Al, we all know that there is always room for improvement on offense, but looking at Michigan. Uh, Michigan's offense, I don't think they've really reached their potential. What do you think their ceiling is?
1: No, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I think they could get much better. I think you're starting to see it, though, now. I mean, they, they're they into Big Ten play. Um, you know, they played uh, Nebraska, who had the best rush defense, but after the game, oh, that was overrated. I mean, what? they just rushed the ball for 249 yards against a team that no, they're not as good as everybody thought. Well, hell no, they're not as good. We just shoved the ball down their throat. Okay. You're not going to be as good. So um, they can still run the ball better. They can still pass the ball better. There are still, I mean, I go through a, just to give the fans an idea, I go through the, the video. I look basically at the ones and then I skim the twos. Okay. I grade every single player. And trust me, they're not all getting pluses and zeros. There's a lot of minuses here and there, technique issues maybe some some assignment issues although they've had very few of those uh, so is there room for pr- improvement you bet there is there's a lot of stuff in there that can get better it just so happens with other teams there's even more stuff that needs to get better because Michigan's a pretty solid solid football team overall
0: okay here's another one um we got a couple of different questions about Trente Jones Eric Martin says Trinte Jones giving up a couple sacks needs help but then we have another one from John Bagley said, I'd like to know what's happening with Trente Jones. He looks good to me when he's in the game. So Trente specifically, did you get a good look at him, watching him in the, in, in the snaps that he got in this game, which is a little bit more because they got out of the game a little sooner and plus you have Miles hitting out of the game?
1: I think everything trente has been asked to do, he's pretty much done. Now, is he perfect? No, nope. but he is he, – Trente can be imposing. I think as imposing, if not more imposing, from a run game perspective as any lineman on the team. He is a big, strong, strapping kid that can engulf you if he uses good footwork and technique. Uh pass protection wise, he's pretty much he hasn't been bad in that way either, although he's not been featured this year much in that role because he's basically come in as a third or second tight end in that role and then some mop-up work at the end at the end of the game. But uh, I've been a Trente a. Jones fan from the time I, I came here. Okay, I, I watched him. I really liked him. Somehow he got he got kicked to the back burner, and maybe it's because the competition's so good. That's always a possibility too. But I think if that kid had to play, had to go in a game, I think you'd be happy with his performance because I think he's capable, and now he's pretty experienced.
0: Yeah, I want to speculate for you just a little bit, like I did on this before. I, first, it's not physical. Like there isn't a I haven't seen it. Yeah, there isn't a, a a better athlete, a more physical lineman on the team. Uh, I think, uh, you can see that, and they use him as the extra tight end, right? I mean, you know, if you are going to just throw a a you know a soft dude out there to be your extra your extra blocker, I would I would venture a guess that this you know the other guys have been more assignment sound and, and probably in pass pro uh yeah. well, that, you know, that would be the separator I, I would guess
1: it might be and again you got to see him every day particularly the players you don't see a lot in the games the coach knows best but uh when trente struggled early on because we watched because trente was a starter um uh, was it two years ago i guess i think he started two years ago
0: well, he was gonna start last year then he got hurt remember got hurt.
1: right uh the only thing i ever saw occasionally with him was he looked confused on a play once in a while. Mm-hmm. Where. He looked like, oh, you know, he kind of, he little paralysis through analysis. I've seen none of that. Now again, he had played as much, but I just don't see that level, that level of confusion. And it wasn't all the time. I mean, but it was occasionally you would see. Sometimes it, he looked like a deer in the headlights on a play here and a play there. But that seems to have gone away. And I think uh, if if he's confident, we know he's got ability. Uh, I think he got a pretty good, pretty good pretty good player there
0: yeah jim talked about having an offensive line rotation i know that's not typical uh, when you saw uh, you see d line rotations you don't see many o line rotations uh, but they're you know with how they play and how they mm-hmm. run the football and how these guys are practicing and showing up in games sounds like jim is really considering doing that when when Hinton is healthy and mm-hmm. he said we got to find a way to get Trente on the field maybe we'll rotate a little bit more. And so I wouldn't, especially with the games they have coming up, Al. I mean, if you want to do something like that, you probably could against these next few opponents.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've never been a fan of it, but uh, yeah. I mean, it's not like you're getting big drop-offs. It's not so, it's not as experimental as it may seem. You put Trent a. Jones in the game. He's played. Mm-hmm. You put Miles Hinton in the game. He's played. These guys, these aren't guys that are dipping their toe in the water right i mean they they they've played so and i always i always said this it hasn't happened i said this years ago there will be a point where offense will go to a pass protecting tackle if you get to a third dish, like you know how to get a nickel rusher in on third down that may not play in the first couple downs but the third down he's in the game because he's not doesn't play the run as well i thought someday whenever that you would see eventually maybe two tackles or one tackle come in and, on a third down and specialize in just pass protecting just like the pass rusher specializes in pass rushing. We haven't seen that yet. May never see it. But I, I always thought that that was might have been the future of football. So
0: All right. Let's go back to the questions. Cameron Diggs. So, Al, for an O line newbie, how would you know that alignment is better on either the left or right side of the line?
1: Uh now, if you're talking about tackles, that's easy. Okay. The generally the more athletic tackle will play the left side to protect the quarterback's backside. Okay, because uh, that's you know if you throw the ball, Michigan threw eleven drop back passes in this game, and <clears throat> that puts a, a lot of right. pressure. Yeah, got to take care because you can't see that guy. So you want to put a more athletic guy at left tackle uh, that 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 can move his feet. May not be quite as good a run blocker, although most of the guys I've had over there were better at run blocking than the right tackle too. But uh, it, it, from a from a uh, Athletic perspective, you like the better guy. Now the guards, the guards are kind of hit and miss. Okay, uh, the, the guards are going to play with their left hand down on the left side. So if you got a left-handed kid uh, that's more comfortable putting his left hand on the ground, that's that can be a factor. Okay, uh, the right side uh, is generally generally a little better run blocking, and I say generally—that's not 100 percent true. But uh, they're going to have their right hand on the ground. Most kids are right-handed quarter uh coaches some coaches tend to call more run plays to their right for whatever reason okay um so those are some basic guidelines but other than the left tackle being athletic that's why they're paying those those nfl teams are paying that guy so much money now they didn't used to but they do now uh i think the rest of the offensive line is a comfort zone for the player and the coach uh, how they're going to call the game. There's a lot of factors, but I think that left tackle is a little bit different skill set than the
0: other four guys. Yeah. you like to get your best pass rusher on that quarterback's blind side. So you can't see him coming.
1: Yeah, right? yeah. No question. Yeah. And what's nice is if you got a, a really good, we had Taylor along when I was here, I had Marcus McNeil when I was at uh, Auburn and I had Chris Ferris who won the Outland when I was at UCLA. It's just nice to know you don't have to worry about that side. The before I got there, they had Jonathan Ogden. I mean, he blocked out the sun. You couldn't get by Jonathan Ogden. And and you didn't have to worry about that left side. So we, if you have issues that are on the right side, and you might you can more easily figure out a way to help that guy. But if you've got a guy you just don't have to help, that just takes a lot of pressure off your game planning.
0: So here's one. We've talked about this kid. I mean, we should mention him in this game. Alejandro uh, C. DeBaca. Says, does Mulling have the raw materials to develop into the next Hassan Haskins? You know, I, I wrote this. Uh, as tough a game as JJ had, and he had it in, in the playoff game. He had a really tough game. Mulling's game was nearly as tough. Uh, you just yeah. said, obviously, he just wasn't on the field nearly as much and didn't handle the ball as much. But you think about those those two, you know, inside the 10 yard line opportunities. That wound up being turnovers, he was involved in both. That's a recipe, Al Borges, for a guy going in a shell. And he didn't. All he did was get better and get a lot better, at least to me.
1: Yeah, he's he's settled into being a running back. I think I think he would they kind of played with his position for a while. He's behind two really explosive players, so it's hard to find touches. So what Michigan's done is they've trying to find ways to use what he does best power running inside lead blocking type situation to say that he's going to be the next Hassan Haskins. I'm going to save my, I'm going to save that one. I'm not going that far because Hassan was a, was really a good running back. I mean, a powerful guy that could carry the ball, run over guys, jump over dudes. He had a lot of athleticism, although he was different than Corum. I'd have to see Mullins run the ball more before I made that commitment. But the uh, the role that he's playing, he looks confident, and he's done this to this point in the season. Done a pretty good job with it.
0: Much better vision. Yeah, he's a much better better vision. His feet.
1: Yeah, yeah and that takes it's a little time, better. right? I mean, you got to get some carries and see things develop. You know, the running backs. You know, that's that's uh, that's something you get. You gotta you gotta get a little feel for. All
0: right, let's go back. Uh, Jack Swedberg says, "Al, learning more about the offense has changed my viewing experience on Saturday." Alice, he's all, all warm and fuzzy inside hearing that, right? Uh, watching live, no, where are your, your kind of <laughs> watching live? Where are your eyes to help take in the entirety of the offense?
1: Yeah, um, God, that's a, that's a hell of a question. It is. <laughs> I think I talked to you about this the other day. Uh, I'm a curious watcher. I, I'm not. I, I'm not really necessarily always a ball watcher, although I do. I watch what goes on. I'm, I, you know, and it drives me nuts. See, I like being able to go to the game when Michigan's playing. I go to all the home games because I can watch whatever I want. I'm not limited to what the television is offering me. You know what I mean? So, what I do when I watch a play, for example, and I'm if I'm charting the play in particular, the first thing I will do is see how they line up formationally. Okay. Uh, are they in a two tight end group? Are they in a, And if they are, are they in a double wing look? Are they in a crease look? Are they, so I can get narrow down some of the options of what I'm expecting. Now, remember, I'm a coach, so I'm watching this from a coach's perspective. Okay, But right before – once I see how they're starting to the line up, I pan quickly to the defense and mostly the back end. I don't have time to look at the front and all that. I'll watch that on the replay. But I'll look at the back end to see what their pre-snap look is and then – kind of peripherally see if they rotate their safeties or something. But mostly once the ball's snapped, I I watch the ball. Okay. Unless there's a something happening in particular in a game that you needs a little more attention. Okay. But uh I watch the ball and from the from, by watching the ball I can from peripherally see whether they're pulling a guard or a tackle on an OT play. I can see if a guy's coming across the formation on a split zone or a dual kick. You know, just from experience, seeing so many plays, and then studying the team a little bit. Because remember, when you watch a video, you have the same view I have when I'm in the booth. You have really very, very similar view. So uh, it's easy to pick up what just happened. Now, if a guy said, oh, what coverage were they in?" I could hit it about seventy-five percent of the time, but there'll be twenty-five. I'll be watching the ball and not see how the finish the the, the coverage finished. So I'll try and get it on the on the uh, on the replay. And more, more often than not, you can tell if they were in zone or man-to-man because you'll see dudes chasing people all over the place rather than ascending into zones or spot dropping or do whatever. So that was a long winded answer to that question, but it's a hell of a question because I look at a multitude of things because I'm, I I can't get the coach out of me when I watch it for why I like baseball. I don't do that when I watch baseball. So I I, I still analyze more than I watch.
0: Yeah. Since, since I started uh, getting with you, especially I watch the line way more, way more. Yeah. Well, in our
1: session, Sam, uh, again, we're not we're not the what happened. We're the why did it happen, how did it happen, right? That's our show. The BS goes to die on our show. So we don't just take pass plays. We look at run plays, and we don't just draw the pass play and show the routes and everything. What do we do, Sam? We draw the linemen and who they block, so everybody can get a feel for why that, why and how that ball got off, or why and how uh, why that ball didn't get off. Okay, so uh, we get we want to when you come away from our experience for the fan. Risk maybe confusing you a little bit at times by being giving you enough information where you understand the entire concept of the play. And uh, that's risky because a lot of people you can lose guys and say, "Uh, I don't don't need all this stuff, man. I just I I mean uh,
0: That's why I give you variety, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. (laughs) Coach, coach, just tell me what time it is. Don't build me a watch, right? Well, we do some watch building. I'm the first one to tell you because we want to be unique. You want to be different. We want to be able to tell people that which they can't learn maybe from Joe clad on television or from whoever, because not because they don't know, it's just, they don't have the time to explain everything to you. So, uh, that's, I think, uh, where we are a little unique.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of give you, I gotta give you the all parts of the spectrum. I kind of gave you Devin, right, which is going to be hyper quarterback focused.
1: Monday morning maniac, the Monday morning maniac.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, it's going to be a little more surface, but he's going to get, he's going to give you, he's going to give you great nuance things that you wouldn't get as a as a regular fan for sure. But he's not going, he's not going to dive into the line. And every you know every block that should have been made here, and you know, is it a is it a is it a sort right? And he's not he's not going to get into all of that. Is it a slider? Is it a sort? He's not going to get into all of that. Like you, Al Borges, Vance is sort of in between on defense, mind you. You know what I found? This is just a brief aside. It's like, all right, you got the the fan that just hey, give me in and out, give me some insight, and and give me in and out. That fan is going to come and watch Devin. The fan that wants a little bit deeper, I want to know about the run game. I want to know about the, the blocking. I want to know about, you know, what? how is the offense progressing from week to week? How are they building week to week? They're going to watch you, Al. But the super diehard, because people don't want to, you know what I'm this is kind of like we talked about at the very beginning, why right? USC is so popular basketball. Man, like you got to be a diehard fan to want to know about the defense. You got to be a diehard fan to want to know about the defense. So if you – that, I feel like when I get on with fans, like we got the super diehards now. <laughs> like These are the fans that want to know everything because fans just don't get in the defense like they get in the offense, Al.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I, I just uh... – the fan the offense is, has the responsibility of not only scoring points but entertaining the fan base okay if you're boring and the fan and you lose that's a recipe to lose your job the defense a uh, little more type eight sick of mentality uh, kick their butt throw them down hard okay chase them down and end up in a at the at the ball in a really bad mood okay Vance – colors that so nicely and he's entertaining on top of that okay he's got he's and he's in some instances unfiltered (laughs) I think I think he's got a fantastic show he's different we're all a little different yeah but uh at the end of the day you will be edified if you're paying attention
0: I tell you what I couldn't do I I like the order of Tuesdays because I don't know if I could do you after Vance man
1: <laughs> I, I, I wear you out a little, Sam. You know, you're not you're not very tired. I wear you out. Last night We're I was out, gonna, we got finished. We went about what six or seven hours. And usually what I want to do with you is I go, okay, now let's watch the all twenty two. So, so we do the telestrations. Let's watch the all twenty two so you can be you can know at the water cooler what the hell you're talking about. Because the water cooler is big, Sam. And you have become to me, you are the water cooler king right now okay but i could saw it in your eyes your eyes were drooping a little bit you're starting to feel sorry for yourself your wife called you up says "What are you coming home sam and, and sam he needs to get home and cuddle donise so he's the bad day the next day so i said all right i'll cut the guy a little slack we won't watch the all 22 i'll just give you an overall synopsis of what happened and we uh, i blew out of there and cut you some slack but you know just don't had- count on that every week sam don't tell donise Maybe some late <laughs> nights, man.
0: I didn't get out of here until nine o'clock last night. Man. Oh, cry me I mean, a river. I mean, I mean, that's after doing the board of the show. And, and, but anyway, yeah, cry your river. Here's one out right. Tim said, Spin dash is dangerous. DG took a lot of 20 yard sex. But Spin dash is actually a viable escape route, is it not? You, oh, you yeah. Absolutely.
1: It's dicey. He's right. It is dicey. It's not, not my preferred move, but sometimes it's the best for the quarterback. It, it can be a feast or famine situation, okay? And you got to know if you're forced to your left, okay? Anytime the quarterback's forced to his left, he must separate five yards from the defense before he turns to make a throw. Otherwise, they're going to run you down and plant you on your left shoulder, which can subject you to injury. I've lost two quarterbacks uh scrambling to their left. But uh it can be a, a weapon. I mean, and you've used properly and not abused, uh you saw what JJ could do with it, you know. Uh so uh what you saying is true. But I saw Devin spin dash Minnesota one time and threw a long touchdown pass to Drew Delio just buying time. Something I didn't hell, I didn't draw it on the board. But that's another thing. You just you don't want to take the stinger out of the beat
0: Marty Land on Facebook says Al would you be able to whip Devin's butt never in a
1: Minnesota game. minute <laughs> but I told him now I told him now to fight the champ, you got to go through some contenders. This this ain't no Rocky movie, okay? Where the guy can show up and uh, you get to play you get to fight Creed and you're just a ham and egger. You got to you got to take on a few contenders and then you know, I'll think about maybe giving you a shot. But if it comes to that, you better bring your A game, man.
0: Yeah. Andrew Bailey Wants to know, Al, was that a pin and pull concept with Ladarius Henderson come all the way from tackle? That kind of athleticism could open up a myriad of creative run concepts. Have we seen a pin? Where, and pull? No,
1: no. Where is How the pin and pin pull? pull? I still think they got it, Sam. I think it's coming. Keep stay tuned on that one. We in five games, we have not seen a pin and pull. We haven't even seen a uh, crack sweep with a pin and pull. You, I haven't. I don't even remember seeing the variation. But Harbaugh's always had it, and I'm betting they still got it. They're just waiting for their, their favorite front, up front, to block it so they can run it again. Yeah. Stay tuned. I think you're going to.
0: Had to be a Ooh, counter yeah. that he saw. Had to be a counter. Yeah. That was no, I haven't seen a
1: pinnacle, and I've studied it pretty closely.
0: Yes, sir. All right. Uh, oh, the, David Chapman wanted to chime in. He's showing you some support, Al, in your, your debate with Devin Gardner on the Bowling Green interception versus the – the uh, completion for a touchdown in this one. He said on a second throw, there's very little chance of an interception also. So Dave Chapin backing you up there.
1: No question. Yeah. You got to, you know, again, you break a and you get turned. Hell, you got to take that shot, right? This kid, this kid can run. He's not, I mean, he's not an immobile quarterback. You know, I, I watched some of these other quarterbacks and they're not, they can't run like him. They, they, some of these guys would drown running through a car wash. I mean, they're just not real fast. This guy can run. I mean, he's got he's got speed where even if he didn't make that throw, she,
0: he could take I, off. You know him. my fear. This is my fear. Cause I think I think JJ, yeah, what I hate is that you know st- the statistics skew so much that it's gonna it's gonna make the, the Heisman be um you know, him be relegated probably an invite unless he just goes absolutely nuts against Penn State and Ohio State, which I assume mm-hmm. is possible. But I think J.J. is going to lead Michigan to a national championship or, you know, right there knocking on the doorstep of it. I think he's going to go to the NFL. And you know who's going to have a top five pick, the Chicago freaking Bears. It would be a great story for them, but I would hate it. Can, man, can you imagine? Oh, my God. I don't. I can't think of it. The only thing worse would be if the Packers would take J.J. But the the Bears are like a close second, and that would be him going home. But damn, Al, you talk about heartburn and stomach ache and vomit if I have to watch JJ McCarthy in a Bears uniform.
1: You know, uh, the I, I just think the key to a being a successful NFL quarterback is there's a lot of factors. He has all of them. But to succeed, you got to get to a team that's really a quarterback-friendly, that really knows how to develop the quarterback, Sam. You know what I'm saying? It's a quarterback. And even if they struggle a little bit at the beginning, you can see that he's making headway to where he's going to be the player he can be eventually. And if it's the Bears or whoever, I don't know who the coach is or how good they are and all that stuff. But I just know if you get in the right situation, you will eventually succeed. But you got picked that high why because the other team really probably wasn't very good, right? So it takes takes some time, uh, but you need somebody that's uh, really good at teaching that position. Yeah,
0: man, I, I, well, here's, here's what I'm convinced. Justin Fields is not their guy. Like I, I mean, you know if Justin Fields was their guy, they they would start with just my novice perspective. I know we run out of time. They would start with a framework that he was comfortable with, and then build from that. Mm-hmm. But then they just put in their system and say, "Let go do it." And you heard the dude in the press conference. talking about man, I'm out here thinking way too much. Would yeah. seem to me you would make him think less, and then add to the to the thinking on a week by week basis. And that has not been their approach. And he's looked terrible. Although he had a, a good passing game, uh, this past game, but they still lost. Uh, Real quick, because this keeps coming up. Uh, Mr. Blythe says again, I believe it's Mr. Blythe. Excuse me if it's not Mr. Bly. Uh Donovan seems to be in a slump. Is it more blocking or more Donovan, um, more Donovan's patience? And then there's another one about blocking. Said the Don's blocking has looked bad. He barely chipped. I think he's gotten, I think he's gotten um, blamed for some of the, blocking issues at times that weren't his fault.
1: Uh that may very well be uh one in particular I saw I think in this last game. But uh I think if uh there's been some some blocking issues, but they haven't been I mean I don't have him all over my minus sheet. I mean occasionally it is. but if Donovan if you're gonna critique Donovan at this point, he, he you gotta understand he played last year at the end, got the ball, you know, the bulk of the snaps was a featured back, uh, was really, really good. Well, he's just – he's not that anymore. He's, he's splitting time with the guy who's going to probably end up carrying the ball more than him, and the, clock, the game is shorter, and they've only ran 45 plays with the ones this last game. I mean, so his opportunities are less. He is not playing the primary back. So when he gets in the game, I think sometimes he feels compelled to create a big play, and sometimes it, it's hurt his patience. We saw it on a counter play. A week ago, he's taken a couple of duos back too quick, and I just think he's trying to hit home runs. And I think, but I think that's if he played more, more touches and all that, I think you'd see the Donovan you saw last year for whatever that's worth.
0: Well, I tell you this: every week we see another element of him in the passing game. It just feels like that's not just for show. I I I feel like there's uh, an explosive play in the passing game coming out the bend, you know, coming around the corner. They threw the RPO to him. I thought it was a Texas route they threw. You said it was an option route. Yeah, same
1: thing, though. It ended up the same equation, yeah.
0: Yeah, they they wound – they're trying to get the ball in his hands in different ways, uh, especially through the air. Uh, He's an option on a lot of other plays that the ball just doesn't go to him. Yeah. Eventually it will.
1: Yeah, they're doing their best to get him involved. And even if it means sacrificing – some of their double tight end groups. I noticed that uh, that he's in there, and I think that's smart because you don't want uh, you know you don't want to fire all your guns. You don't want to not fire all your guns, I should say, and, and he certainly is one of them. So he's got to have a certain amount of touches for the betterment of the team.
0: Yeah. And last one here. There are a lot of questions about Alex Orgy. and you know I I think the excitement uh, was built that he's an outstanding athlete. Jim talked about using it as a punt returner. Um, you know fans worried about uh the possibility or potential for for transfer i'll check on it uh but i just as i've watched it unfold i i, did, I just didn't think that there is any chance that he uh, uh, any real chance of him unseating jack Tup- jack tuttle as the as the backup quarterback i mean a change of pace guy but to be the backup quarterback, I didn't really see. Now, again, that could competition could render me wrong. Uh, I don't think it had to this point. And I think the other thing that fans have to reconcile and you tell me uh, your thoughts on this, Al. Look. You are not going to be able to keep quarterbacks. Multiple quarterbacks. on a Not roster. today.
1: Not today. That's, that's no
0: not that's not happening. So no are resigning yourself to the reality that. You know, you're gonna have guys that are gonna sit in the background and be and be back. I'm not saying that anything that, about Alex Orgy specifically that that's definitely what he's gonna do. Uh, but I wouldn't be preoccupied with it like it's this. Uh, I mean, this is this thing to be preoccupied with to the extent that fans are. Jack Tuttle's your backup quarterback with with seemingly Jaden denegal maybe pushing him a little bit. Um, the, the the main thing is you need number nine. If number nine, you said this Al. And we can end this way, and I'll let you finish with this thought. You said, number nine, they're going to go as far as number nine goes.
1: No doubt.
0: If you don't yeah. have number nine, this is the point. You're probably not going to – you aren't going – not national championship far, I think they still win 10 games. But national championship fire, that's about having number nine behind center. Period. Yeah.
1: I remember Howard Mudd, coach for the uh, Colts, telling me one time he goes uh, – uh, Peyton Manning's our quarterback and, uh, we can win with Peyton Manning, but, but we can't, you know what I'm saying? We sure as hell can't win without him. Okay. So we got to keep him upright. What's yep. the point? we got to say, we keep him healthy. We can't run him too much. We don't want a lot of nakeds. He's just making a point on something. He goes, uh, but he did not want to, win. and that's, that was not putting down his backups. It was really just telling you how good Peyton was. Well, it's the same thing with JJ. JJ, JJ is, uh, an exceptional player, a potentially a phenomenal player, and uh, whoever replaces a player is there's going to be drop off. JJ came in and beat out a quarterback that won 12 games in the Big Ten championship. I mean, that's <laughs> that's unique. That doesn't happen very often. But in my opinion, and most people that watch, he clearly did that. This wasn't given to him, but he he took the job. He was run with the job and. And he's the guy that you got to keep his pants clean, you know, hey, because hey. you don't want to have to go to alternative. And there's only one ball, and generally only one quarterback.
0: Yeah. So I, I, you will appreciate this. You know, Tom Moore. You just talked about Bane Manning, right? Tom Moore was uh, OC for the Lions for for a minute uh, back in the day, but they asked Tom Moore. You may have just kind of alluded to this. But why don't you give your backup? Reps, why don't you practice with your backups? And he said, Well, if we don't have 18, we're effed, and we don't <laughs> practice effed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I remember, yeah, that's it. What uh, it was Howard that said it, but might have been Tom because we have visited. He goes, We may not win with him. This is what he said. I screwed that up, but he said, We may not win with Peyton, but we're sure as hell not going to win without him. So, <laughs> right. That was that was the point he made. It was because we, yeah. I, I My question was, why don't you guys run more naked bootlegs? Why don't, he said, "No, we're not going to force a corner with Peyton Manning and get him hit and release the ball." And that's when he said what he said.
0: <laughs> that's what he said. That's what he said. Hey, if eighteen goes down, we're effed, and we don't practice that.
1: Andrew, you said that, not us. Not okay. us.
0: That's <laughs> why, you know, I can't say I can put it on the screen since it plays on a. Podcast plays on the radio. I can't say the word, but if you're watching the stream, you can, you can see it, and just insert number nine right there. Right. It's substitute eight, substitute nine for eighteen, and there you go. Yep. And then now all this talk about what happened to so and so, what happened to so and so. Now you realize, it, at the end of the day, yeah, in terms of championship contention, doesn't really matter. I, I mean, I don't say that to be cold or crass or cruel, no. uh, but this to me is, I mean, what are we talking about? Yeah. yeah, we talking about a championship. We're talking about a championship, then we are talking about that.
1: We just don't use that kind of language, Sam. I could do it. Um, will not have that. You almost got me fine by the
0: wait, hold on. You almost got me fined by the FCC.
1: If I said it more, one more time, you think I could get that over the hump?
0: <laughs> All right, folks. We went long. I hope I know we didn't get every question. We got as many as we could. We got to get over to the film study. The film studies go up on Wednesdays. You can see how lots of great breakdown this week. We talk about the growth of the run game, great passing breakdown as well, like we always do. Again, those go up Wednesday nights, the Monday morning quarterback film study, the offensive film study with Al, the defensive film study with Vance. On Wednesdays, you also uh, do the Recruiting Insider, and we do the Steady Drop and Dime show live with Devin Gardner. And Daniel Horton. So that's live 3 to until 4 p.m. every Wednesday. So, you know, you want more Devin? That's how you get more Devin. Yeah,
1: Isn't that a little bit of an overdose on Devin for you? I mean, come on now. You don't get paid. That I,
0: I'm giving the people what they want. I, you know, yeah. but I got Daniel there to kind of ba- balance it out, too. So, you know, it's, it's it's good. It's good. And, by the way, folks, MichiganInsider.com, a dollar gets you in, a dollar gets you in. Just a So, all right, folks, that'll do it for this edition of the Michigan football breakdown focused on the offense with Al Borges. We'll see you next time.
1: Go, blue.